Well, turn with me this morning, if you would, to scripture that we've been looking at for some weeks now in the book of James, chapter 4. James, chapter 4. The Bible said in verse 6, but he gives more grace. How many would like to have some more grace? Oh, yeah. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Who gets the grace? Not just everybody. The humble. To be humble and meek does not mean to be weak. And it's sad that so many people don't understand what humility is. Even in church, so many times what people are calling humility is actually a form of pride. Because they're actually proud of how humble they are. I know that sounds strange, but it's, well, that's not humility. That is pride, religious pride. One word that this has been a study of mine for, oh, I don't know, 30 years. Uh, this topic of humility, because the Lord spoke to me as a teenager and showed me, I, I think I've told you before, but in Numbers 12, 3, I was going to read the Bible through. And I'd gotten from Genesis to Numbers, and I'm reading, and I got to Numbers 12, 3, and it said, Now the man Moses was meek above all the men that were on the face of the earth. And when I read that, the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice. I didn't see anything. I'm talking about inside me. Inside me, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, did you notice that Moses was the meekest man, the most humble man in his generation? I thought, yeah, yeah, that's what it said. He said, did you also realize Moses was the most used man of me in his generation? And I made the connection. The most humble is the most used. Another way of saying it, according to this verse, the most humble has the most grace. Right? Well, the person with the most grace is going to get the most done. Sometimes people say, what is the grace of God? People say, well, it's unmerited favor. Well, that's a very small definition of this big word. Grace is one of the biggest words in the Bible, in the New Testament. The grace of God is the favor of God, but it's also the ability of God, the strength of God, the revelation and the anointing and the direction and the plan unfolded. When you're graced, you are enabled and empowered and directed and favored. Hallelujah. How many understand with the hand of God on you, it's going to go. You're going to make it. You're going to be successful. You're going to accomplish what you're endeavoring to do. Well, who gets that? Not the proud. Not the proud. What do the proud get? The proud get resisted of God. Well, that's the very opposite. Instead of the hand of God's blessing and power and enablement being on you to help you, well, here the hand of God is not on you to help you, and actually God is resisting you. Well, you're not going to make it. Right? And uh, the problem is, people think that some forms of pride are actually good. 
We live in a society where people are taught to be proud. I'm proud. I'm an American. Did you hear that? Somebody said, what's wrong with that? Being an American is great. Being proud is not. I said, well, I think it's okay. Well, then you disagree with this. Be thankful for being an American. Give thanks to God. Be grateful. Be thankful. But proud? Well, I'm proud of my kids, Brother Keith, and nobody can tell me any different. I know you need to repent. (laughs) Be thankful for your kids. Learn the difference between honor and pride. Your children can honor you. You can honor them. You can be grateful. You can be thankful. But don't be proud. Proud is the nature of the devil. Proud gets you resisted of God. So let's work on eliminating that word from our normal conversation. I'm proud of this. I, well, I, Brother Keith, I don't really mean that. Well, then don't say it. Let's work that out of our conversation. Why? Because we don't want to be resisted of God. We want to be graced of God. And the humble are the ones that get that. Keep reading. What does it say? What's the very next phrase? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. For some weeks now we've been on the subject of submission and authority. And we see here humbling yourself before God, submitting yourself to God, and then resisting the enemy. So we see both submission and authority. What does submission mean? It's from a military word that means to rank or arrange under. And when you're submitting to God, what are you doing? You're giving him his place over you. You're taking your place under him. Then what did he say? Resist the devil. Can you see it's a continuation? Now you're saying, I have a place Because I'm submitted to God, I have a place over the devil. And when I resist him, he has to flee from me because he has a place under my feet. Oh, can you see that? But it didn't start with you resisting the devil and him fleeing. What did it start with? You, me, submitting ourselves to God. Who makes us submit to him? Nobody. We have to submit ourselves. Now, let me review just a little bit with you. We talked about what submission is by talking about what it's not. Do you remember? Submission. I gave you three things. Do you remember? About submission. I get a bunch of blank looks across the crowd. Three things that submission is not. Number one, submission isn't easy. If you think it's easy, you don't know what it is. Hmm? It's not easy. We went to the ultimate example, Jesus in the garden, praying, sweating blood, saying, Father, not my will, but your will be done. The Bible said in Hebrews that with strong crying and praying and tears, does that sound easy to you? That's not easy. Can you do it? By the grace of God, you can. Submission involves submitting your will to another. And it's not easy. What else submission is not? 
Submission isn't agreement. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, now I usually submit to them. But on this, I just don't agree. Well, the reality is they haven't had an opportunity to submit until now. And now they're rebelling. You're not, you don't have an opportunity to submit until you don't agree. Until somebody over you says, we want you to do this. And you go, "Uh uh-uh, no, that's not what I was going to do. No, that's not what I thought. It's only when you don't agree that now it's time to what? Submit your will to another's. And then thirdly, what do we say? Submission isn't being forced. In the kingdom of God, you're not to try to make anybody do anything. God's not going to make you submit to him. Nobody should try to make someone do submit to me. Submission isn't being forced. It's you submit yourself. You hear it every time. Let me read it to you. And that, you know, these things will keep us from getting off on this. He said, in first, let me read these to you. First Corinthians 16, 16 says, you submit yourselves. Ephesians 5, 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God and wives submit yourselves to your own husbands. Colossians 3, 18 says again, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Who's going to make you submit? Them that have the rule over you? Your leaders? No. Who's going to submit you? You submit yourself or it's not going to happen. Right? Submit yourself to God, our text just said. Who's going to make you submit to God? Nobody. If you don't submit yourself, it's not going to happen. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. First Peter 5, 5, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Do you hear the same language every time? Submit yourself. The understood subject is you. You submit yourself. That's why I've said, you know, Ephesians talks about husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. A lot of people think that these passages are antiquated and don't apply to the modern generation. But hey, God's always right. He's always been right. People change. God doesn't. He's right. And he knows what works and what doesn't. People can do all these different things they want to, but they don't work. They don't work. And what we've said before is uh, people, you know, I don't know at the times I've had husbands and wives look at me from across the desk with problems they're having. You're about to get divorced. And Christians I'm talking about. And I've heard it more than once. Where that the wife says, well, you're supposed to love me. And you're not loving me like Christ loves the church. And he said, well, you're supposed to submit to me. And you don't submit to me at all. You don't respect me. And she said, well, if you'd love me like you're supposed to, I think maybe I could respect you some. He said, well, if you'd respect me and submit to me like you're supposed to, maybe I could love you like I'm supposed to. And you got the husband working on the wife to submit. And you got the wife working on the husband to love. And that's not what the Lord said. He said, husbands. It's almost like he said, now wives, I'm not talking to you. Why I say husbands? 
Husbands. Who's he talking to? Husbands. Love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for. Right? So listen to me. Wives, do not even talk to your husband about loving you. Did you hear me now? Don't bring it up. Don't talk to them about it. Don't let yourself think on it. It is not your part. It is not your job. It's not what he told you to do. Are you with me? And just realize, if you're thinking about them loving you and talking to them about them loving you, you are not doing your part. You're working on, when you're working on them, you're not working on yourself. You're judging them. And the Bible said a judge is not a doer. Remember that in James? James 4, if you judge, you're not a doer. Now, then he went on to say, wives, like he said, husbands, I'm not talking to you. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Submit yourself. Husbands, you never tell your wife, submit to me. I'm going to say that real slow and real clear. <laughs> husbands, never Tell your wife, submit to me. You're supposed to submit to me. The Bible said you're supposed to respect me. And you're supposed to submit to me. Never, ever. The Lord didn't talk to you about that. He talked to them. Are you with me now? Get it clear. Keep it separate. Husbands, what are you supposed to be working on? Do what he told you to do. Love your wife like Christ loves the church. That's a full-time job. Right? Wives, what do you tell? Well, you're laughing, but to be as compassionate and as patient and as wise and as strong as the Lord, that'll keep you busy from early to late. Wives, never talk to your husband about loving you. What, what, did, what are you supposed to be working on? See, people think that's a cuss word in the modern generation. They've taken it out of all the wedding vows, right? Oh, no, that's a bad word. No, that's submit. Ooh, don't say that. It's Bible. And it's not one verse or two. It's all over. Right? And, you know, it's not just a husband and wife deal. Whatever you teach about submission and authority, it applies to everybody. Right? Us submitting to our civil leaders. Us submitting to our spiritual leaders. Us submitting to our elders. Right? I mean the list goes on. Submission is submission. Well, I asked Phyllis if she had anything on her heart about this. Because this is uh, from both sides. Right? You've heard me some on this side. But I want you to hear her some this morning. I asked her and she at first she said, well, I, I don't know. I'll check. And... uh then uh, this morning, she said, yeah. So are you ready, Miss Phyllis? Hallelujah. How many thank God for Miss Phyllis? Yeah. I'm telling you, you don't know the half of what this little whirlwind does <laughs> behind the scenes around here. I'm telling you, we are blessed yeah. to have this gift of God with us. Phyllis, share your heart, take your liberty, do what you have on you. And you don't know how blessed you are to have that whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't know the time he spends in the Word and studying and stuff, you know. It's a good thing. Um, we didn't quit. You know, we could have quit 
a long time ago, and uh, most of you know that, but uh, several years ago, we could have just thrown in the towel like most of you could have and said, it's just too stinking hard, you know, and said it's not worth it, whether it's marriage or jobs or finances or whatever the case is, and just said it's not worth it and not seen the end result of you or whatever our future would be and the goodness of what God had for us, and we wouldn't be here today. So uh, just that throwing in, you know, not having anything to do with what we were saying. Don't quit. Whatever it takes, stand firm and don't quit. Well, when he asked me to share last night, uh, you know, he said, uh, you got anything you want to share tomorrow? I said, no. I always do that, you know, no. First off, you know. But it always pays to check your heart first, you know. So uh, I did, and um, I thought, well, I went down there this morning, I went, maybe. <laughs> Okay, you know, so uh, let's do look at a couple of things this morning. He was talking about submitting, and you've all heard our story and our testimony about me, and I was the world's greatest submitter, you know. (laughs) There you go again. Every time I say that, you guys start laughing. What's the deal with that, you know? No, most of you that know my testimony know that I didn't like that word. And uh, the very first thing that happened when I got saved was, I got filled with the Holy Ghost, and Keith was seeking the Holy Ghost, So, which is another story within itself. But the very first thing that happened was God told me to submit to my husband. I didn't even know what that word meant, and I didn't want to find out because I knew it didn't sound good. (laughs) Just that word in itself didn't sound good. So I began to rebel against that word, you know, submit. It didn't even sound good. So um, I just totally rebelled against it. So what I did was I got away from it and didn't even want to look at it for years and years and years. So I don't want to get into that side of it this morning so much as I want to explain to you a little bit of why people don't want to do it. What I've come to see as to over the years, it took me years to where I would even look at why I didn't want to submit. And having dealt with people past that for years why people are afraid to submit it's like people are sitting in here now and I'm sitting over there listening to Keith teach on submission and it's a good thing just now when we were standing up here receiving the offering and Keith's talking about uh, people receiving good things and they're going to be persecuted for the good things that they're going to receive and he's teaching on submission the two clicked in my mind all of a sudden because the sermon that I have and the things that he's talking about, they went hand in hand all of a sudden in my mind because that's when things changed in our lives. Was because when I began to submit and put my life on the path that God had for me is when the things, the blessings of God came in my life and the overflow started coming in my life. And I never connected the two. And so why would God have us teaching on submission right now? And why would he have us confessing we're getting our houses and our lands and all the good things that are happening in our lives and he's teaching on submission? The two are connected. So let's look at some of those things. So he's teaching every week on submission, submission, submission. And I'm sitting there dealing with why was I so scared to submit? 
Because you hear that word, and the very first thing that happens in people's minds is the brakes go on. You can just feel it in people's hearts, especially in ladies' meetings. Every time we ever have a ladies' meeting or we even have the marriage meeting in here, we almost, the first night, we have to stop and we have to take authority over it. Ladies, is that not correct? Every time we have one, it's like you can feel it. It's just like, you know, and nobody wants to hear it because of the fear that comes along with that word. And what happens is, it's not just husbands and wives. People look at it as it's husbands and wives, but it's employees with employers. It's church people with their pastors. It's uh, children with their parents. Every form of life, every person like Keith has been teaching us, has a person that they are supposed to submit to, and nothing is going to go well in their lives until they begin to submit to that person. But why was I so rebellious about it? Why did I get so... I put Keith through what you would call almost a living hell here on this earth. If there was such a thing. Because of the rebellion that I had in my life during that time. And here's one of the very first things. Turn with me to Obadiah. And it's hard to find, but you'll find it if you take just a minute. It's right before Jonah. It's just one page. And in my Bible, you won't find it the same place, but it's on page 996. (laughs) That help you? Yeah. Okay. Obadiah 3. And if you don't find it, we're going to wait till you do because you need to mark it. I want everybody to find it. Everybody should have a Bible that they can mark it in. Okay, Obadiah 3, and I just want you to get that first little part. The pride of thine heart has deceived thee. The pride of my heart deceived me. Say that with me. The pride of my heart deceives me. That is the number one problem that I had with submission. Is because the devil came in. Now, I didn't see this, of course, when I was supposed to be submitting. It took me years to recognize this. And Keith would try to help me to see it. But the devil would twist every word that he said to where it was just him trying to get me to do something. And it's the same thing with employers. It's the same thing with husbands. It's the same thing with pastors. It's the same thing with anybody that you're supposed to submit to. You look at it like anybody that you're supposed to submit to is only twisting it for their benefit. But the pride of your heart deceives you. Because when he would tell me something, I would only see it like he only wants something for himself. He's only looking for good for him. Now, how many of you are parents in here? 99% of you. Now, when you tell your child that something that they're doing is bad for them, are you looking at it as something that's hurting you most of the time? Like if they're going to eat something that is bad in the refrigerator, you say, don't eat that. And they think it's just because it's sugar and you don't want them eating something sweet or something. It's for their protection, correct? 
All right. Or you tell them a teenager, for instance. Okay. They want to wear their mini skirt and their top too low. And you tell them, don't wear that out. Are you telling them that because you don't want them to look good when they go out of the house? Why are you telling them that? For their protection. And because they don't really look good. Honestly, they don't look good. Right? Because you love them. And because you love them, you want the best that's for them. Correct? Well, most people that God has given you authority in your life, that cares enough about you, will tell you the truth in your life. They're the only people that will. If a person, now Keith cared enough about me to tell me things about myself that no one else would tell me. Now, it would make me so mad at the time. I didn't want to hear it. But now I look back on it and I thank him today for some of the things he said. And you as adults, can you look back as you were a child and go back and thank your parents for some of the things that they taught you? But then it made you so mad. Well, it's the same thing. The pride of your heart at the time deceives you into thinking it's only something that benefits them. And the more you believe that, the more it hurts you. The more that I believed that if I did what Keith wanted me to do, I was going to be a nobody. People already called me Miss Keith. That was my name. Because around Rama, everybody knew Keith, but nobody knew me. So when I would go around, they wouldn't know my name, so they would call me Miss Keith. So that was already kind of like a... Who's she, Miss Keith? Or they thought he was married to somebody else. You know, most of the time. So, uh, and, you know, I was the one that just, you know, made the money at the time. You know, so uh, I would come in and then he would be there. You've all heard the story. Teaching Mr. He was the teacher of submission and authority, but I was supposed to live the submission and authority. Yeah. And I was the Miss Rebellious. So what happens during those times is the very first time that you choose, okay, I never talk too much. (laughs) Now, there you go again. (laughs) And he, we would get around people that were spiritual. And you've all heard me tell this before. And the last time I spoke, I talked about people that had areas, they either did certain things. And people that, when they get nervous, they do one of two things. So when I would get nervous and we'd get around people that really I should be quiet, well, then I would really, really go to talking. Okay? Because I would feel nervous that I would think that they would begin to talk about something spiritual. So I would get nervous and get to talking about Anything under the sun to keep them from talking about something spiritual so they wouldn't get off on something that I wouldn't know about. And so we'd get home and he'd say, Phil, you know, not mean, but did you realize that you said this or you said this or you said this? And it would just, I mean, if you could set a flare off on the inside of you, you know, 
fires going off on the inside of you. Your face would turn red. Your ears would turn And then your pride would deceive you on the inside. And who is he? You know, I didn't do nothing wrong. No, don't raise any hands. Half of you are sweet enough to raise your hands, you know. But then your pride deceives you and you don't want to hear that. And you don't want to deal with it. So you blame it on them. Instead of dealing with it, you blame it on them. Instead of submitting and correcting it, you blame it on the person that you're supposed to be submitting to. And so it just gets a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger place where if you ever look at that, lies then become a way of life with you. You yield to that one lie and then when they come to talk or anything comes up, a lie is there because you've started yielding to them. There's no truth between you and that person, your leader. There's only lies. Whether it's your spouse, your boss, your parent, your teacher, youth. You hear me talking? There's only lies. Because you've deceived yourself into believing you did nothing wrong. You overrode what was in your heart instead of saying, instead of humbling yourself and saying, you know what, I was so nervous sweetheart, that I was scared they were going to get off onto spiritual things and I'm not secure in that area, you know? So I got off into this other stuff to make myself secure. So, you know, I'm sorry. I'll try to watch it next time. Instead, I covered my tracks and said, no, I didn't talk too much. Who do you think you are correcting me about talking too much? Pride. Pride. There's always a lie. You all know the weight issue. I mean, Keith was the most wonderful person with me about my weight. He would always tell me, he'd say, Phil, you've made a mountain out of a molehill. It comes off one pound at a time, just exactly the same way that it went on. Relax. But I wouldn't. I would, what I would do was, I would be upset about my weight. And he would want to go somewhere. And I would make an issue out of something else because I didn't want to deal with the fact that I didn't want to go because of my weight. Lies. Pride. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You don't feel like you look good. So you pick a fight about something else. So therefore, there's an issue about something else. And so therefore, there's strife between you and him. And you're not going. Lies. And the devil's always there to do it. And so then what happens is, I convinced myself over a period of time that I could do nothing to please Keith. It kept escalating. And I would tell him that everything I do makes you unhappy. I feel like I'm walking around on eggshells. Everything I do, you correct me about. Everything I do, I feel like I have to tiptoe around you. Everything I do, I'm just, I'm on eggshells all the time. Well, was that true? What had happened? I had yielded to the lies, the pride. 
and the deception of dealing with the truth of the situation. I had yielded to lies because of the pride of my heart about not dealing with my weight, about not dealing with talking too much, about dealing with inferiorities in my life, about not getting to the place that I needed to be. So therefore, I had let other things, inferiorities in my life deceive me. And that's what happens in so many people's lives. God's got things that he wants people to do. It's not just husbands and wives. It happens so many times with employees and employers. There's things happening in people's lives. They mess up on something in a job. They do something wrong. And instead of going to the employer and say, hey, look, I messed up on this. They begin to think, they say, look, I messed up on this. Like with, I messed up on this tape order today, Mrs. Moore. I sent it to the wrong person. It should have been this way. We were late on it. We let it slip through the cracks. We were a month behind. We finally found it today. Well, then what happens to him is he hides it. And so time goes by and he knows he hid it instead of telling me. And time passes and he begins to fester that in his heart. Instead of telling me, which Whit doesn't do. He always tells me. Our people have learned if they, like Keith says, if they burn the house down, they wreck the car, that whatever they do, they've learned to tell us. Because it's better to go to bed with a clear conscience than it is to let these things fester in your heart. But he doesn't. And he festers it. Well, what happens is he begins to think because he's festering that it's eating him on the inside. And he begins to get bitter at me. She's just too hard to please. Anybody can make a mistake. That's not that big a deal. Anybody could lose a paper like that. Anybody could lose a tape order. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where all it would have been is he would have told me. What would have happened if you'd have told me? Nothing. How many employees have we fired for losing tape orders? None. Nothing. But what happens is the devil gets in there and he begins to cause a rift between you and that person because of your heart and your conscience. He causes that root of bitterness then gets in between you and that person. And he begins to feed you that that person is the bad person. When really it's your heart eating at you. And that's what happened between Keith and I. Keith, bless his heart. He would try everything under the sun. He would pray and he would believe God. And it is so frustrating when you love somebody and you care about them, wanting them to see the truth. But when the pride of your heart deceives you, you cannot see the truth. No matter how hard somebody is believing God for you, but you're yielding to that pride and you're yielding to that deception. You choose to yield to that. You're unwilling to correct the tape order mistake. Unwilling. The longer it goes on, the more the bitterness gets in. You're better off if it's a month, if it's six months to come and say, hey, look, I missed it. I should have showed you this six months ago. Clear your heart, clear your conscience. Whether it's a husband or an employer or a parent, a pastor, whatever the situation is. Because what happens is you think you're hurting that person, but you're hurting yourself because you've let the deception in. Turn with me to another scripture. 
Turn with me to John 8.32. These should go hand in hand in your mind. Mark Obadiah and Mark John. Connect them with a paper clip for a few days if you have to. John 8.32. We all know it. Everybody in here can quote it. We can all say it off the top of our head. But maybe you'll see a different connection now with it. What'll happen? You'll know the truth. And the truth will do what? Make you free. Amplified says set you free. So what will lies do? Keith has a saying. He says, lies will blind you. I can't tell too many of his stories because he's sitting here today. Usually I tell y'all not to tell on me, but he's sitting here today. So, but anyway, he'll hear them. Lies will blind you and they will bind you. They will tie you up in knots. You ever feel that way? If you tell a lie, you feel like you just, it just ties you up in a knot. But what will the truth do? Set you free. How do you feel when you go to somebody and you've told them the truth? You feel like a weight's been lifted off your shoulder. You feel like you've totally been relieved of whatever it is. Like whatever burden it was has totally been lifted from you. People are scared to submit because they're scared of what that person will make them do. I was scared to submit to Keith because I was scared that if I submitted to him, he was going to make me do more for him than I was willing to give him. He was going to want more from me than I was willing to give him. He was going to want more of my personality, more of my time, more of my life. But the thing about it was, Keith was not the one that told me to do it. Did Keith say, wives, submit to your husbands? Did your boss say, employees, submit to your employers? Did pastors say, church members, submit to your pastors? Three people. Didn't happen. God said it. So if God said it, turn with me to Matthew 11.29. This is good news. It is easier to submit than not to submit. I did not submit to Keith for years. And I was absolutely miserable. You've heard me tell it. I got my way. He, I mean, he pretty much let me do what I wanted to do because he got sick of it. I mean, you know, it was like, what else can I do? He prayed. He began to pray, God, you deal with her. I've about done all I can do. And he had. But look at this. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
The Amplified says, um, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and meek, humble and lowly in heart. Listen to this next part. You will find rest, relief, ease, refreshment, recreation, blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh and hard, not hard or sharp or pressing, but comfortable and gracious and pleasant. My burden is light and easy to be borne. Now, who said that? Now, I looked up the word yoke in the Vines Dictionary. You're going to be real surprised to hear what it said. Yoke in binds means submission to his authority. Now, put the Amplified back up there. They need to see that after we said that. If we submit to his authority. Now, submitting to God's authority means submitting to the people he told us to submit to. See, I was absolutely miserable not submitting to Keith. I was not submitting to Keith and getting my way. And I was absolutely miserable in torment in a living hell, the both of us. Night and day. It was like divorce city. The only reason we stayed together is because we knew there was a higher call on our life that we did it for God's sake. That was it. But look at what happened when I did submit. You will find rest, relief. That's what happened to us. Relief, ease, refreshment, recreation, blessed, quiet for your souls. I kid you not. He's sitting right there. Has that happened in our lives since that day? Blessed quiet in our house. Relief. Recreation. No more torment. Peace. People have said, I've heard people say, well, you and they are like oil and water. You don't mix. It's because they're not submitting. You want rest? You want relief? There's how you find it. The rest of that says, my yoke is wholesome. His submission. Change that word. His submission is wholesome. It's good. It's not harsh. It's not hard. It's not pressing. It's comfortable. Do I feel hard or harsh? Do I look comfortable to you? Gracious and pleasant. Those are all the things that I've found since I submitted. Both to God and to my husband. What the devil tries to do is he tries. It's like an old stubborn cow. We got a lot of farmers in here, right? You got an old stubborn cow and you put a yoke around its neck. 
You put it in the pasture. It's one of those ones that it's going to go through the fence. It's going to go through the fence no matter what. And it's going to get hurt every time. It's going to rip the hide off its back. It's going to tear its bag apart. It's going to bleed. It's going to cut parts of its body. It's going to hurt all the time. It's going to be hurt. And it don't even realize it's hurting its own self. But you put that yoke around its neck. And you, by putting that yoke around its neck, you keep it from hurting its own self. God is keeping us from hurting our own self by asking us or telling us to submit. Because people He puts over us, He has given the wisdom. When you're a parent, He gave you the wisdom to tell your child, don't run out in the street. So you're the yoke for that child. Correct? You tell that child, don't play with that knife. You're telling that child, don't cut yourself. Like the farmer's putting the yoke around that cow to keep it from cutting itself from going through the fence. We as pastors tell people, you know, we don't feel good about that. We don't think that's the direction you should go. They think, oh, they just are wanting us here. They just want another number in the chair. Well, most of the time the people are, you know, Okay, I'll say it. They're not giving a dime anyway. They're not, you know, we're having to pay the light bill for them to be here. No, it's not that. It's because we care for your souls as ones that's going to have to give an account for it when we get to heaven. Because God has given us the yoke to keep you from hurting yourself. A husband, Keith to me was trying to keep me from hurting myself because he saw good things in me that other people didn't see. And by him telling me these things and God giving him the authority over me and the wisdom over me, by him putting that yoke around my neck and saying, sweetheart, don't you might not want to do that. That doesn't look good. That doesn't sound good. By him putting that yoke around my neck, that it kept me from hurting myself. It kept me from going through a barbed wire fence and cutting myself to pieces. There's people in here that have been so rebellious like an old stubborn cow. Like I was with Keith. Cutting myself to pieces and didn't even know it. Going through that fence every single day. Tearing my heart out. I had cuts from one end to the other. From just doing my own will and doing my own way. Miserable and hurting. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is. For my submission is wholesome. It's useful. It's good. It's not harsh. It's not hard. It's not sharp. Like a barbed wire fence. It's not pressing. It's comfortable. It's gracious. It's pleasant. His burden is light. And it's easy to be born. Turn with me to Deuteronomy. Now this is the part that I got. When I went back to my chair, I had to get my Bible out after we stood up here and took the offering. I mean, it just connected the two. Like, 
I couldn't believe why we've been teaching on submission and why we've been confessing our houses. See if you can connect the dots. We're smart in here, right? Look at this. Look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Oh, y'all ready to shout? Like Brother Hagin says, you got your shouting clothes on. And it shall come to pass if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord. The Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments, which he's commanded you this day. Let's start at verse 2. And these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake these. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field, and blessed shall you be your bo- the fruit of your body, and blessed shall you be at your basket in your store, and blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out, and blessed shall you be, uh, the Lord shall cause your enemies to rise up against thee and be smitten in your face. The Lord shall call blessing to come on your storehouses, and uh, let's see, you see it? He'll establish you to be a holy people. And I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and blessed uh, the Lord will cause his good treasure, the heavens to rain upon your good treasure. I mean, the blessings will come upon you when? When you hearken to his voice. Now, we're hearkening to his voice by doing what? Submitting to his authority. That's when the blessings come upon us. But read verse 15. What happens if we don't? Anybody been experienced? Don't raise your hand. Any curses? I mean, we are going to have the good things coming in our lives. But we got to connect the dots between the two. If we want great blessings, we got to do what the Lord says for us to do. God is not a hard God. He's an easy, easy, easy God. And the most wonderful thing, I mean, the most wonderful thing that ever happened to me in my life is the day that I got the revelation that if God tells me to do something, it's a good thing. The day that I got the revelation that if he told me to submit to Keith, that it was a good thing. Because if he tells you to submit to someone, he is bigger than that person. And if he tells you to submit to that person, he can control that person. You may not think so, but he can. Because the very first thing that happened was when he told me to submit to Keith was he told Keith to quit trying to make me submit. Keith will tell you that. He told Keith, he's told most of the people that you try to teach her even when, you know, I forget how he told him to tell. He'll have to tell you that. You know, I don't get into his side of it. I stay on my side. He'll have to tell you that part. But anyway, you know, I know what happened in my life when he told me to submit. I know there was change in my heart when he told me to submit. And I know what happened in his heart. I know that I don't know all the things that happened in his mind and soul, but I know there was change in his heart when God told me to submit to him. You cannot change another person. I know people go into marriage all the time with this grandiose idea that everything's good about them but this. And when we get married, I'll fix that. Yeah, not happening. They'll fix you. Don't happen. 
don't happen. But what does happen is you change yourself and God can fix them. You start looking in the mirror and fixing the things about you and looking to change the things about you and God can fix them. If you will trust God, so many people have come to us for marriage counseling and they are ready to throw in the towel just exactly like we were. There was never a time in my life that I didn't love Keith. I've loved Keith since the very first day I saw him fold his little denim jacket across his lap. And I said, that's the guy for me. I'm going to have him. And I've had him. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I've never not loved him. I've been furious at him. And sometimes my flesh has, uh, you think, hated somebody. But your flesh is like the weather. It can be 80 degrees one day and 20 degrees the next. I'm telling you, your flesh can change like sunset and dark. And if you think you know what love is and you're basing it on that, you are sadly mistaken. Or if you think you know that you're supposed to be in a job based upon your feelings, then you're sadly mistaken. The only way that you can know if you're supposed to be in a church, a job, a marriage, or wherever, a city, a state, wherever, is hearing from God. Nothing else. Because your feelings will change like the weather does here in Branson. 80 one day and 20 the next. That's the only way. You have got to... Decide, make a decision that I'm going to do this just exactly what we did because we are already married and God told us to do this. Period. No options about it. It's like tithing. Okay? Some people try tithing. They say, okay, I'm going to try this tithing thing. And I'm going to put $10 in the plate and I'm going to see, does this tithing thing work? And if I get money back, then I will tithe. Is it going to work for them? What do you have to do to get a return on tithing? Do it wholeheartedly. Every time you get money come in, you put your tithes in and you believe God for return on your giving. Correct? Everybody that's tithers knows that. Correct? You may not see a return today, but you know you're going to see a return. Correct? All right. So you do it wholeheartedly because you're convinced the Bible is true. Right? You have to do the very same thing with your marriage. No matter what it looks like tomorrow, you step in and you say, okay, God. You said, submit. I'm committed. I'm going to submit. It doesn't matter if I walk in there and he says, you're the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Your cooking is the worst I've ever seen in my life. You make me throw up when you cook. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, I can't stand to look at you. I am going to submit. I am going to submit because you said to submit. I trust you. You will have to change him. I'm committed. You're my God. I submit to you and you will have to change him. Now that's trusting God. That ain't trusting that flesh over there. God is bigger than that flesh over there. See, that's what people don't understand. That's what Keith finally had to do. Because I tell you what, I was not a sweetie pie. I know you don't believe that. 
but I wasn't. And he had to get to a point to where at least somebody got in faith. Somebody in our relationship got in faith. And it didn't matter what it looked like and how my pride deceived me and how it looked like I was never going to change. Somebody had to get in faith and stay in faith for I don't know how long. Years probably. With no looking like there was going to be a change. But look at where things are today. What if he wouldn't have? So you think your marriage is bad. You think your job is bad. You think it looks really, really bad. God is faithful. And if you, people say, well, we missed it when we got married. Tough. You're married. You should have thought about that before you did it. You're married. Okay? So uh, God can make the bitter water sweet. And it's flesh anyway, and he can change it. So uh, you just believe God, and you fall in love. Because it's like the weather. It can change. So if God hooks you together, you get in faith about it, and you change it. And I tell you what, if God told you to submit to somebody, if he put you in this church, if he put you with your spouse, if he put you with your employer, and he told you to do it, then there's good rewards to follow. Turn with me to Psalm 37. Verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I've been young and I've been old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. The NIV says, if the Lord delights in a man's ways, if the Lord delights in your ways, he will make your steps firm. And though he stumbles, he will not fall, for the Lord will uphold him with his hand. The living says, the steps of good men are directed by the Lord. He delights in each step that they take. If they fall, it isn't fatal. For the Lord upholds them with his hand. And verse 25 says, I've been young and now I'm old. And in all my years, I have never seen the Lord forsake a man that loves him. Never. So if you put this, if you step out and you submit to God, what is he saying? He will not forsake you. You step out on your tithing. Has he ever forsaken anybody? You step out and you submit to him. Will he forsake you? Will he let somebody abuse you? Never. It will not happen. He will not forsake you, a man that loves him. Nor have I seen the children of the godly go hungry. Instead, the godly are able to be generous with their gifts and loan to others. And their children are a blessing. Proverbs 4.12 When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction and let her not go. Keep her, for she's your life. 
Enter not into the path of the wicked, nor not, go not into the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. For they sleep not except they've done mischief. And their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Get verse 18. But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Are you looking for that perfect day in your life, in your marriage? But the wicked is as darkness. And they know not what way they stumble. My son, attend to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life. Has there been life in your home and in your marriage and in your job? To those that find them and health to all your flesh. That's the part that I wanted to get to. A lot of people in here have been fighting symptoms and they've been fighting sicknesses and they've been fighting things in their homes. You can claim healing and you can claim things in your life and you can get healed. But unless you do the things that God has asked you to do where some of these things are concerned with submission, you will not be able to keep it in your life. Because rebellion will cause those things to come right back in your life and in your home. It opens the door to things. And you cannot keep them. You can get healed. We can have a healing service on Friday night. And the anointing be very, very strong. But lies and rebellion just open the door right back up to that kind of stuff in your life. So we don't want those things. And Isaiah 119. My finalist last is scripture, and then Keith can come back up. I think everybody knows it. Everybody probably has it marked. And this goes right in line with Deuteronomy and what we've been trying to get across. If you be willing and obedient, what you going to get? The good of the land. And what are we getting around here? The good of the land, the houses and the best of the lands and the best houses and the big, wide, super chunks, whopper chunks and stuff. But the fear of submitting will keep you out of all these things. That was my biggest thing was the fear of it, of submitting that I would not be able to be myself. And I'm more myself today than I was then. Because I didn't even know who I was until I submitted. And that's the way most people are. They run from the thing that they need to run to. And if they would run to it, then God would be able to. You read all the things that we talked about. His yoke. And uh, it's easy and it's comfortable and it's good and it's light and it's wonderful. And it's the best thing that can happen to you is to put his yoke upon you. His submission upon you. And do the things that he's asked you to do. So when that word submission comes up. It's the devil's first thought is. He does not want you to do it. So the very first thing that comes across. Is he comes to your mind. And he says rebel. When the very first thing that should happen is. We should embrace it. Because we should think that's my answer. Now when it comes up. I think yes. Glory. Wonderful. 
Because I know that was my answer. Now when I hear wives submit, I don't just cringe on the inside. I used to, I didn't even want, I knew when that semester and term was coming up at Rama, I think, oh God, no, not again. You laugh, but it's true because I knew that would be on Keith's mind. It would be his focus. And what's on your mind is what's in your heart. And you recognize things. And people kid themselves. If you've got a spouse that exercises all the time and you're overweight, it's on their mind. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's on their mind. So do not be in fear. Fear is an open door to the enemy. It's like I was with my weight. Take it one step at a time. Start with the lie. Start with the tape order. Start with one thing. Start getting it corrected. Don't let the eggshell thing get to be such a a blown out of proportion thing in your life. Start talking to each other again. Your employer, your employee. Come clean with one thing. If you can come clean with one thing, just exactly the way you started with one lie, back out with one lie. Start coming clean. You may not can come and just pour your whole heart and soul and say, okay, this is everything I've done in my whole life. That's kind of tough sometimes. But you can start where you are today, here and now. And if you tell something, then go to them and say, you know what? That wasn't quite straight. That wasn't quite right. I didn't quite give the wholeness of that. I didn't quite tell that completely right. And get it clean today, here and now. And if you find the, it's easier to clean something up here and now than it is to let it go an hour. To, the longer you let it go, the harder it is to clean it up. So get it straight here and now. And it'll make it easier on you to submit to your employer, your boss. Because what happens when you don't, that rift comes and that bitterness comes in between you and them. And then they become the problem instead of the actual problem itself. People become the problem instead of the weight or the talking or all the outlying issues. People then become the problem. Hallelujah. That was good. That was good. I want us to take just a few more minutes. It won't take long. If you have to leave, I understand. But uh, there's a side to this that the Lord ministered to me just recently. And uh, it goes right along with what Phyllis has said. Go to First Peter 3. I don't think this will take very long, but it's very important. First Peter 3. The devil's a liar. He is a liar He is a deceiver, and he will tell you that a good thing is a bad thing. And he will tell you that the Lord will hurt you, and uh, just the opposite is true. In 1 Peter 3, he's talking about submission. 1 Peter 3, verse 1 says, You wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be one without the word. By the conversation or lifestyle of the wife. People don't see that. A godly woman operating in godly submission. Her life is preaching. Her life is preaching and getting through where words don't get through. 
including to her husband. While they behold or see your chaste conversation or lifestyle coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of hair and wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. Now did you hear this? How many other places did you see where God says, this is of great price to me? God said, this is extremely valuable. This is very valuable and precious to me. Who said that? God. What is very valuable and precious to him? Meek, quiet spirit, one who is willing to yield And submit. He said after this manner in the old time. The holy women who trusted in God adorned themselves. They beautified themselves. Hold 1 Peter 3. And we're going to look at Psalm 45. Find those two places please. The Lord made this statement to me, I'm about to tell you, and I wrote it down. I hadn't seen it, but then these scriptures brought it together. 1 Peter 3, we're going straight from there to Psalm 45. The meek and quiet spirit in the sight of God is of great price. Can you say that this is something that he values? Something that appeals to him. Now, did you hear that word? appeals to him he finds it attractive this is the thing he said to me he said it's beautiful to me this submission is beautiful to me oh did you hear this beautiful to me even as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord said she and the women adorned themselves Then he goes on talking about husbands dwelling with your wives according to knowledge, giving honor to them, being heirs together, that your prayers be not hindered. That's what Phyllis was talking about a minute ago. When husbands treat their wives right, wives treat their husbands right, like the Bible said, your prayers are unhindered. They get answered. When the husband is mean and cruel and hard and harsh, And selfish. And the wife is rebellious. And defiant. And selfish. Then your prayers are hindered. They don't get answered. Oh but did you get this? How did Sarah. How did the women of old. Holy women. Godly women of old. Adorn themselves. What does that mean adorn? Now he talked about hair. He talked about clothes. What's he talking about? He's talking about beauty. Isn't he? And people have, you know, whole doctrines have been established, you know, on uh, uh, wearing your hair a certain way, or wearing your clothes, and completely miss what God was saying here. He said your beauty is not just fixing your hair and your makeup and your clothes. He said learn how to beautify and adorn yourself and make yourself beautiful on the inside. Like Sarah learned how. 
Like the holy women of old learned how they became. How many know there's beautiful on the outside and there's beautiful on the inside. And real beauty radiates from the inside. What does God find beautiful? Meek, quiet, submissive spirit. In the women and in the men. Can you see this? And I was thinking, you know, Phyllis has always been beautiful. But today she's more beautiful to me than she has ever been. I'm not talking about just this hour today. I'm talking about as the years have gone by. Because her beauty, she was always pretty on the outside. But not as pretty on the inside. But her beauty from the inside far outshines what's on the outside now. And what we haven't seen, in turn to Psalm 45, are you listening with your spirit this morning? I'm trying to express it, but this is a spiritual thing. Psalm 45, he said, verse 9, well, let me back up to verse 7. You love righteousness and you hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. Are we supposed to be glad? Are we supposed to be happy? We're supposed to be blessed and free and rejoicing, not depressed and angry and fussing and all that junk. Your garments smell of myrrh and aloe and cassia and out of the ivory palaces whereby they've made you glad. King's daughters were among your honorable women and upon your right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget also your own people and your father's house. Did you hear this? Forget your natural. Forget where you come from. Forget your natural ties. So shall the king greatly desire your beauty. For he is your Lord and worship thou him. What's attractive to God? What draws him to his bride? It's not a piece of cloth. It's not a hairstyle. What is it? See, people have believed lies and even taught this wrong. That if the woman submits to the husband, then she's basically a doormat. And, you know, she's at home uh, barefoot and pregnant. And if supper ain't on the table, then there's hell to pay, you know. And ignorant. Stupid. You ever read The Virtuous Woman in Proverbs 31? Oh, if we had time, there's a teaching in there. I'm telling you, this woman is a woman. Have you read it? Man, she's a looker. She's beautiful. Her clothes are amazing. She's on top of everything. Her kids are well taken care of. Her household, her family. She's a businesswoman. Have you seen it? She owns businesses. She's buying and selling and making money and her husband is known in the gates. She comes in and says, honey, you know that place the Lord led me to buy over there uh, two years ago. I sold it and made a million dollars today. And he says, truly it is written. He that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. 
This is not a brow beaten, can't think for herself, can't do anything. That's not it. But the Lord showed me this. How many remember the four and twenty elders that are round about the throne? In heaven, Revelation, you see it talked about. They have crowns. They're in the presence of the Almighty. They have crowns. But when the winged creatures cry, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, Him who was and is and is to come, they take off their crowns. And they bow down and they lay them and throw them at His feet. That's beautiful to the Lord. It's not us being ignorant and broke and sick and nothing that gives glory to God. It's us being powerful and strong and rich. Hallelujah. And glorious with the glory of God. But then when He tells us something, we lay our glory at His feet and we say, we submit to you. We're bringing something to submit. And I know Phyllis is intelligent and smart and strong and sharp. And she hears from God and God uses her. And she could do all kind of things on her own. But when something comes up in my heart that I believe the Lord's led me to do. And it's different from what she thinks. And she takes all her ability and her strength and her wisdom. And she submits it. Under me. That's not weakness. I said that's not weakness. Nobody made her do it. I didn't make her. She chose to do it. That's beautiful. That causes me to desire her. And find her beautiful. And as we the bride of Christ. Meek and quiet. Even though we're so strong. And we're so blessed. And we have ability. Yet when he speaks to us. No matter what we think, we yield it to Him. We submit it to Him. That makes us attractive to Him. He greatly desires us and our beauty. He wants to come get us quick and draw us to Himself. Look at the opposite. Rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Makes us look like an old witch. Makes us repulsive. Rebellion and and stubbornness is ugly to Him. And repels him. Can you see this? Can you see this? Stand up on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.